wanted to say one thing. Just also, to the, the deal is, you guys, and I love it when you do it with me, but I want to encourage you to do it with Todd. The way we listen is the way we pull out of whoever's sharing. Just listen with hungry, I want to get everything he's got to give and get it in my heart. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, yes, I'm Todd, one of the elders here, and uh, I love this church. Uh, it's just been a huge impact in Jackie and I's life, and we've been here for about 20-something years and just back, been around a long time, but we have seen uh, it's better now than it's ever been. Just easy. And so uh, just very grateful to be here and get to serve and relationships, friendships, life groups, just all the things that we get the privilege of joining with and walking with and things that are influencing our lives, getting to serve here. The people are what make this place uh, the house of God. And so just really love being here. Um, we are going to, we are in a series that we started sometime back called Peace Under Pressure. And so we're going to continue on in that today. And I want to jump into James chapter 4, if you would open up with me or swipe away with me. Uh, we're going to keep talking about that. We're in James 4, 1 through 7. That's where I want to start us today. James 4, 1 through 7. So it says, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, and so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, and so you quarrel and fight. You do not have, because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive, because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think, Scripture says without reason, that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us. But he gives us more grace. And that is why the Scripture says God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. So submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. So fighting, quarreling, coveting, pride. It's not exactly like my top ten list for things I'm looking for when I'm looking for a new church home. But James is starting out here. So we've got the little brother of Jesus, and he is talking to a group who probably learned how to do life by the society and the culture around them, which this is a generation that has just seen years and years, has a long history of wars and all kinds of conflicts going on. And, James, and so James is kind of saying, hey, let's not, let's not worry too much about all the political leaders and the government leaders and all the bad decisions that you disagree with because we got a war going on on the inside right now that we need to talk about. And so he's just trying to point out some things to us. And it's, it's like it's this kind of you know, selfish judging and unkind talking to one another that has just disillusioned and disheartened the power and the vision of God's church over, over time. And so the good news is that James, he's not just leaving us hanging here in despair. He's saying, there's a plan. If we'll just turn and offer a little humility, God wants to meet us and raise us up and give us grace and take us on to the next place. And so 
Before we get into that, I want to rewind just a little bit and go back to chapter 3 for just a moment that Yancey just hit it out of the park last week. Because I want to bring these two together because the end of chapter 3 and the beginning of 4, it's kind of like this seamless transition in there. And so he's talking about, uh, Yancey's talking to us last week in James 3 about the power of the tongue. And he's saying, I need to move this. Say, uh, he's saying, talking about the power of the tongue. And so he says, why can't we tame the tongue? No one can tame the tongue. What's, what is the deal with the tongue? And it's like, it's a fire. It, it can be a fire that just takes off through all of our whole body. And if we're not careful, it'll take over all of life. And why can't we seem to tame it? We talked about it was because we want to be at the center of the story. And so the reason we want to be at the center is because we want to be in control. But we weren't meant to control. We, we weren't meant to be controlled. And so the tongue is one way, though, that we can try to control life. The reason we want to control it is because life is scary when it gets out of control. But with the tongue, we have convinced ourselves sometimes that we can control people or we can control the outcome, or we can control the circumstances. And so we step into these attempts to do this. And what Yancey reminded us last week is that it ultimately leads to powerless living. We wanted it to be power, but it's actually powerless living. And it was a real paradigm challenge for us in talking about that. And so on the other hand, powerful people, they got a mission. they got a purpose for life. They know where they want to go. They're willing to accept the responsibilities. They're willing to accept the consequences of their decisions. Powerful people can simply say yes or no, and they mean it. They're usually uh, they're, they're at home with themselves. They know who they are, and they're trying to help the people around them know who they are as well. And so in Chapter 4, it's kind of this, James is kind of talking about the same issue of powerlessness. And so I want to discuss kind of part two of the discussion that we started last week that I've entitled Exchanging the Truth Inside. So, have you ever believed something for like a pretty long time only to find out one day that it wasn't exactly the truth? Yeah. And so, thank you. Good answer. And so, let me, I'll give you a couple examples of what I'm talking about. I'll give you a very low impact example, and that would be song lyrics. Okay? Yeah, we've probably all got one of those stories, but I remember in the late 70s and 7th grade, there was this cool group called the Bee Gees. They came out, and yeah, it was, hey, 7th grade, it was happening, trust me. And so they had this song come out, and one of the, the name of the song was More Than a Woman. Remember that one? Thank you. See? <laughs> Boom. Boom. Thank you. Yeah. So the problem was, though, in seventh grade when it came out, we didn't know it was more than a woman. And so we're walking around singing, bald-headed woman, bald-headed woman to me. 
it was like, what? It's not bald-headed woman? Oh, more than I could. Got it, got it. We went with it for a while, though. Then, like, high school, there's another guy coming out. His name is Eddie Money. All right? Now, Eddie Money, if I remember correctly, I think he just did a Super Bowl commercial recently. He's the old rocker dude standing in the travel agent's office with this family of four sitting in front of him. They're like, uh, we're just trying to get a little small vacation. He's like, I got two tickets to paradise. It's awkward. It was an awkward commercial. It was like, I don't know. I don't get this commercial, what they're doing here. But in high school, we didn't, we didn't catch the, the, all those uh, names in the, in the title there. And so we were going around singing, I got two chickens to paralyze. Did it. Two chickens. I don't, we couldn't figure out why he had two chickens to paralyze, but eventually. <laughs> Amen. Stranger things have happened, Jeremy. <laughs> All right? And so, that's my point. On a little more serious note, for example, like when we're approaching good literature, one of the things we can expect in reading a, a deep, well-written book, we can have the expectation to be changed by reading that book. Right? That's, that's the expectation. That's what we're looking for. It's the same thing that happens by living life in life group being part of the church, being connected to people, we're expecting to learn things and to change things and have things uh, re-spoken into our hearts and get greater, more understanding of things. And so the main thing that I want to say today is we're talking about words and fighting and quarreling and things of the heart. The main thing is that our communication reveals the internal reality of our hearts Why Jesus reveals the eternal reality of of God's love. Okay? So our communication reveals the internal reality of our hearts while Jesus reveals the eternal value of God's love, reality of God's love. So, first point here is, and your outlines if you got that, is that sometimes there's a battle going on inside. Okay? Verse 1 says, what causes the fights and quarrels among you? And he says, there's a battle going on. That's part of the reason. And so, about a year and a half ago, um, I found myself dealing with a bit of a crisis in my life. Jackie and I had just uh, celebrated 25 years of marriage, gigantic milestone. We were actually pretty excited about that. And uh, my parents had divorced and just all those things were, were really important and, and mattered to me. And my marriage obviously mattered. Uh, but during that time, I was, as we were celebrating this exciting time, I was sensing inside of me something going on underneath, something going down deep inside. And it was manifesting in uh, some, some anger, in some, I don't know if outburst of anger, but it was just this kind of brooding thing going on inside of me. And I just kept kind of pushing it away and focusing on the good things, but it was just the tension, and it finally just got to a, a bubbling point to where it just, uh, it, I, had to, I had to deal with it. Part of that happens because, you know, if you don't know, Jackie and I, we own our own business, and we have worked together for 25 years. Every, we're with each other every day, all day. And the challenge in doing that is 
that the relational lines can so easily get blurred because you're in and out of business and back into intimacy and in and out of doing work things and you're back into relational deals and it's a whole different uh, hierarchy at home than it is at the office. We have different roles and function different ways. And so we were actually in a season where business was booming, uh, having a great time there, um, you know, celebrating a long time of marriage. Uh, but there was this undercurrents going on that we just were not recognizing completely. The good thing was that after some prayer, after a lot of long talks, after leaning on a lot of friends here, uh, I was finally able to get a little revelation. And what came to me was I was seeing that I had some disappointments. I had some dreams that hadn't happened the way I thought they were going to happen. And it was affecting me. But I wasn't really dealing with it on that level. I was just kind of pushing it away. I was going, there's nothing I can, it's, it's past, it's gone, there's nothing I can do about it anyway, so why do I want to sit here and spend a bunch of time looking at it? I'm just going to push it off, and I'm just going to keep on going. I'm just going to keep on going and keep on going. There is good in that attitude at some levels. It's good for a leader to be able to push things off and let's get on to the next thing. But it's not helpful when you've, got a wound, you've got a cut, and you just try to keep going on and on and on. And so that's what I was getting a revelation of. So instead of, you know, instead of dealing with it, why didn't I deal with it more? You know, Todd, you know how to do these things, and da-da-da-da-da-da. You know what? I don't like dealing with emotional pain. I just don't, and neither do many of us. Um, I was probably insecure about how to move forward at one level. Because it was just this lingering, hanging thing. And I didn't really know. I'm kind of, I'm not really sure what to do about it. I'm just kind of here, and so I don't have an answer, so I'm just going to keep going on. Those are just some of the reasons. They're not, they are what they are. It's just where I was at. And so what I realized was that if we hang on to these emotions and hang on to these feelings for too long, eventually we'll develop the skill sets to keep all these emotions at a distance. And we can function this way, okay? And this is so important to recognize because distance is not what God created us for. He created us for intimacy. He created us for relationship. He created us to be connected. He created us to be with one another. He created us to love, to serve, but to press into one another was what we were made for. And believing this will help you so much when the emotions start flaring up, you'll have the grace to push in at the right time. Second thing I want to say is that we were created for love and connection. We were created for love and connection. You know, when a, when a couple stands at the altar of, of, uh, at the wedding, they usually turn. Give me your hands, please. Go ahead and stand up, Jackie. See? See, she did not know I was going to ask her to do this, and she didn't. And I'm not going to ask you to preach, so just you know, relax. Not this week, anyway, because so. she could do it. But here, here's the thing. In, in the marriage vows, you know, you're standing at the altar, and it's that time when normally they will turn and face one another and go eye to eye. But when you do these vows, you don't normally hear things like, Dearest sweetheart, 
I commit to you to make as much money as possible. <laughs> Dearest sweetheart, we promise and we commit that we will have 3.2 children and reach all the data. Or, you know, uh, my commitment to you, Jackie, is that we will have a golf retirement in Naples, Florida. <laughs> you know, those things wouldn't work like that. But what the vows are about, what do the vows say? Yes, to have and to hold. We look at each other and say, if all else fails, I will have you and you will have me. I commit to hold you. When it gets bumpy, you commit to hold me. To love and to cherish. When it's all down, when all the chips are falling, I'm going to love you. And I'm going I'm to cherish you. That's my, I accept that responsibility. And you accept that responsibility. Okay? However, if we've developed these set skills of creating distance, then we won't press in when the, when the emotion starts stirring up. We'll have all these things, the reasons of why we can't press in and serve and love at this time. You know, it can be two very different expressions of life, but the commitment is we're going to stay connected. Above all else, you get to be you, I get to be me, but we, I'm, we're staying connected in all those things, and we're going to enjoy that about one another. It's, it's, and even in friendships, it's the same thing. It's the commitment is that you and I are friends. God has put us together to run for this season. And so for the long haul, above everything, I'm going to stay connected to you. We get crossways, we get sideways, we get disagreements. I'm staying connected because we're, we're committed. Our hearts are committed to run together for as long as God calls us. So, and the reason understanding those things, the reason it's so important is because fear and love are the two most powerful forces in the world. We do crazy things when we're scared. We do crazy, passionate things when we're in love. Okay? But if we aren't willing to move closer when the emotions start heating up, the message we're sending to one another is that I'm at the center. This is all about me right now, this little, this little challenge we're having. It's all about me. It's got to go the way I want because I'm scared right now down in here. I don't have an answer. I'm, I don't know what this means for me. I don't know, what, I don't know how your decision is going to affect me. And so I'm just going to keep it right here. And we do it with marriages. We do it with friends. We do it with bosses. We do it with coworkers. We do it with our fellow students when we're not understanding things like that. It's only when we commit to move forward to someone that we'll learn the skills that it takes to reach them. You've got to be willing to go there. And the thing I love about that is that is what we learn by watching Jesus as he continually surrounds himself with the people that others have distanced. So third point. Created, we are created to walk in freedom. Freedom is the result of wholeness. So, 
you know, with, and with that comes peace, joy, and love, comes patience. You know, one of the things that God started talking to me about during this time was taking care of my soul, was taking an inventory as to what's going on in here. What are you needing right now to be whole, to be, to have the life of God flowing through you? What are you missing? What are you needing right now? And so um, I began kind of like asking myself, so what are you needing? What's going on? What are you missing? And it's like the soul will tell anybody that will just listen. It, it, oh, it's crying out. It's, it wants to tell us. It is speaking all the time. And it's, it, it doesn't take much to hear what the, what the needs are deep, deep within us. And so it, we just got to know our needs, though. As we're asking those questions, it helps to know our tendencies, meaning some of us need more affection than others. What is it that you need to feel healthy? You know, what are the things that help you feel valued and cherished? We need to know those things so we can help others around us understand that. Or I want to be in putting myself in places that fill those tanks, fill those needs for me. Jack and I learned two little simple things. I'll just give you a little practical piece here for you. Was that we've been taking walks for, for years. Uh, but during this season, I realized that anytime Jackie would ask me to go for a walk and I would say yes, it was like she lit up. Like, really? Okay, good. And I enjoyed the walks too, but when I realized that, that me saying yes was me saying, I love you. I want to be with you. I just, I just want, I'm willing to spend time. I have nothing else more important than you right now. I'll give you my undivided attention. Let's go. That's what she's hearing. And when I realized that, it was like, if I was tired when I came home and, you know, really didn't want to do it, it motivated me to go, I want to say yes. Because I want her to feel loved. And when I know that she's feeling loved, that makes me happy. It makes me happy to see her happy, to give her joy, to give her love. And it's little simple things that I can do that with. God was just showing me something there. On, a, on another little practical thing, uh, you know, Jackie's a little more of an introvert, and she married a big extrovert, and so there's issues. <laughs> and, uh, you know, she's, she's really happy being at home on the weekends for the most part. It's a refueling thing for her just to, to be home and nice book and be able to take care of her house and all those little things. It's very refueling. She's, she is great with that. Mr. Extrovert here, though, is, it's not going to cut the day for it. <laughs> and so while we're kind of praying about some of these things, Jackie comes and tells me, she goes, I feel like God's telling me that uh, we need to get out and we need to go. We need to go downtown this weekend and do this and that and that. And I'm like, really? <laughs> yeah, you're hearing God. <laughs> but it was like she would, you know, she'd come to me on a Friday night and go, hey, I was thinking if you wanted to go. To yes. <laughs> yes is the answer. Where are we going? What are we doing? It meant something to me. It was like, yes, I love doing this. And that was her way of loving me, of just doing little simple things like that. But there was a different motivation behind it is what I'm trying to show, out, show us. So, so um, you know, people, this is interesting. One of the biggest reasons people wander away from God is because they're not getting their soul needs met. 
Think about that. It's like a person that's drowning. In order to get what they need, if they need air, they'll hurt somebody to get it. And we had a, a men's retreat several several years back out at a YMCA camp here in Fort Worth. And I, really, I don't know what we were doing, but all the guys were out in this giant lake swimming and doing army stuff and just funny, funny stuff. But it was a huge lake. And while we were out there in the middle of it, uh, somebody goes, hey, he's drowning. And we're like, what? And we're, there's like 15, 20 guys out in the water. You can hardly see who, see who all's out there. And one of the guys, he's drowning. He's, he, he had been swimming too far and just had run out of energy. And he couldn't make it. And I'm looking at him. And I've got lifeguard training and stuff. And so I'm like, I'm whooping off a shirt and going in with blue jeans. And off we go to get this guy. I couldn't even, I didn't even know who it was. But, I mean, everybody's screaming and stuff. And when I got there to him, I'm his life raft. I'm his last, you know, point of contact. And so he's just wailing, trying, trying to reach out and get me. But I just, I said, relax, we're going to make it. And I grabbed him and off we went. But the second I told him that, he let go. He was exhausted. And he went and just... When we went in, we went in about 20 yards. Uh, Randy Brown was there. Randy got him, said, hey, put him on his left side. Randy hit him in his back one time. Whoosh! Water just came, poured out of his mouth. But he was in trouble, and he was, he was willing to cause some pain to, to, to get, to get what, his, what he needed at the time. Praise the Lord for how it happened. But, you know, we all, we all need significance. We all want to matter. And it's, this is not a want. This is a need. It's the deepest part in us that God has made us this way. We want to we be noticed. We want to matter. We want to have a purpose. And we want to know what it is consistently. And so, you know, it's, uh, it's like David. You remember in Psalms 23, David said, The Lord restores my soul. He was asking for this. And the good news is, is that the level of pain doesn't determine the level of your problem. No. Okay? What I mean is that about a couple weeks ago, I, was, I showed up in my office, and I had some pain in the end of my finger. It felt like I had a piece of glass or something in it. But I kept looking at it, and there was nothing there. And so it was just all, all day, I'm just doing this at the office, and it was really distracting, because about every 15 minutes, I'm just pulling away from whatever I'm doing. Going, okay, still nothing there. Still nothing there. And so just all day long, it's just agitating and bothering me. And it's like, what? Well, I want to go away. It's been an hour. It's been three hours. What's going on? So finally, I, I get home that night. And I look again, and there's a splinter. And because I had been rubbing it all day long subconsciously, I had kind of pushed it up to the surface, and I could see it. But it had been broken off inside, deep down in there. And so I couldn't just get tweezers and yank it out. So I had to go for the old straight pin. So Jackie and I are sitting there on the couch trying to have, she's trying to have a conversation with me and, you know, I'm just like distracted, just like, I'm doing this deal now, you know, but I kept, you know, just the little top surface of the skin thinking, hey, it'll come out. And I'm like, that gummit, it is not coming. So it was like, here we go. And finally I got it out. And it was like, anxiety just immediately started melting off. It was like this, I, I didn't realize how much it was bothering me all day, but got it out. It was hurting. It was like, looks worse than it did before. 
But my point in saying all of that is that in order to become whole, we've got to be willing to embrace the pain. We've got to be willing to go in, okay? And so talk to yourself. Ask yourself questions. Talk to, ask yourself questions like a doctor would. How are you feeling? Soul, why are you downcast today? Who or what is stirring up these emotions today? Talk to me, Lord. Show me. Show me what my soul is trying to tell me right now, Lord. You know, what are the emotions that I'm experiencing right now? It's, it's the tanks talk that we, we talk about from time to time. The physical tanks, the spiritual tanks, the emotional tanks. But so much of it that I've realized is connected to the emotional piece that I might sometimes associate to something else. Meaning is that I love a good, long bike ride. A couple years, I started doing road bike stuff and get out by myself most of the time. But what it came from was a couple years ago, uh, Jack and I were, were praying. We're going, we need something we can do together. Because remember I talked about introvert and extrovert? We're like, we need some things that we can do together. And so Jackie's like, bikes. And I'm like, bikes? We're not going to ride bikes. She's like, we're getting bikes. Okay, so we buy a couple, we buy a couple like cruisers, you know. Na, 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 na. Not exactly the coolest guy in the neighborhood, but we're out there, you know. And so we started riding this bike, and I really kind of started liking it. I was like, wow, man, I kind of feel something when I get on this bike. Man, I like this. And so I told Jackie after about six months, I said, hey, I think I'm going to upgrade my bike. <laughs> and so I went and got a road bike. And uh, it was the wildest thing. I got on this bike and took off. And it was just like this emotional experience for me. I mean, it's like the wind blowing through my hair and, and your lungs pumping and breathing hard and all this stuff. But it I was realizing real quick that it wasn't near as much about the physical piece as that it was doing for my soul. What it was doing for me emotionally was getting out. I just felt good. I'd come back exhausted and tired, and, yeah, I got a bike to clean up. Clothes are dirty and all this stuff, but I'm like, I don't know, man. Something just feels right when I do that. It just feels good. And so that is like, that's therapy for me. And we've all probably got, some of you, it's gardening some of you, it's probably shopping and all of those things, but <laughs> I don't want to rubber stamp that. I'm sorry. <laughs> it might be, but. <laughs> but my point is, the, the revelation to myself was something I would have qualified as a physical benefit to me, and it is, was much higher on the emotional chart for me. So... You know, and for some, they live with the pain so long that eventually you, you, you can even stop thinking about the possibility of freedom because you've made so many accommodations for the pain. You just get used to living that way so much. But today, I want to say to us, you can believe God for wholeness. You absolutely can believe God for wholeness. There is nothing going on in you. There's nothing you've experienced. The, the pain that you feel, the disappointment, the discouragement, the doubt that you keep wrestling with, I am telling you, it is not beyond the grace of God. Amen. Those things don't exist. That is, and here's the truth, that is powerless thinking. We've got to own that. We want to be powerful people. We want to think 
powerfully. And so one of the surest ways for us to walk in freedom is by believing that we were created to be friends of God. Yes, that's good news. Now, now a couple weeks ago or last week, I don't remember what it was, I saw somebody's on a uh, social media, enough to be unnamed right now, uh, apparently had been to the Sweetwater Rattlesnake Roundup. <laughs> and they were standing there, and the, the wrangler, and I, like, if you're from out of town, like, it, I don't know why we do this stuff. There's people in Texas that do snake, rattlesnake stuff, so it's just, bear with us, okay? But uh, the picture was, uh, the, the rattlesnake round, wrangler, he's, he's holding on to the, the snake, but the snake's kind of draped over the shoulders and around, and what got me was the picture on their face was just sheer terror, just... <laughs> And it's like, you know, we don't want to be around stuff that can hurt us. That's, that's, yeah, amen, thank you. You know, I mean, nobody's looking to try to create this intimate, loving, cuddly relationship with a cotton-picking rattlesnake. It's just a basic, it's a basic instinct we have, is that when the threat level is high, the level of love is going to be low. So, you know, I know some of us, you know, may have grown up in environments where parents use the constant threats to try to control. And the, the hard thing about that is, it, is that the takeaway is that in a relationship, there's only room for one person to be powerful at a time. When we're all made to be in control of ourselves. And that's an issue because we weren't designed to control. I wasn't designed to control anything, and I wasn't designed to be controlled. We're made to walk in freedom. We're made to walk in wholeness. And how do we know this? We know this because God put two trees in the garden. He gave us a choice. He put them in there as consequences for for decisions. But he does not want to control his kids. So he puts the two trees in there and says, your choice. And the the challenge with that is, is on that tree of the knowledge and good and evil, there's some upfront benefits. And there's things that can can be temporarily very satisfying. Temporarily very satisfying. Temporarily happy. Temporarily relief of pain. But he, he, he made the choice. He chose you and I. That was his choice. And what he's saying is, I want you to choose me too. Just like I chose you with freedom, I want you to choose me too. I want to be in a relationship with you. I want to I share the life with you. You know, and the, the Bible doesn't show a God whose goal was to create distance between a bunch of scary sinners. That's not it. Instead, he, he, the Bible reveals a God who has oriented his entire life around radically pursuing us and doing everything he can to try to restore the disconnectedness that we created in our minds and our hearts. 
That's our God. He is after me and you. It's his number one goal in connection. That's it. I just want to be connected to you. I just want our hearts to know each other. I want you to know how good I am. And I want to enjoy you. That's our God. Nothing will ever prevent him from moving towards us with his love. Nothing. Amen? All right. Let's be standing. team to come on down. His love for us is fearless, church. He's not, he's not scared of us. He's not scared of all our ways and all our funkiness, all our bad decisions. And his message to us is that I love you no matter what. I'm not scared of your mistakes, and you don't need to be scared of them either. Amen? He's calling us to live powerful lives. That's his call to us. And just like Paul, when he told Timothy, he reminded him, he said, hey, you've been given a spirit of power and a sound mind. That's what God has done for you. And so, as our, as our heart, as our words, as our communication reveals the reality within us, we want the life of Jesus and the eternal glory of his, of his life. We want heaven to be breaking into our hearts. We want new creation to be alive in us. That's the promise. That's the offer. But it... It is a choice. It is a choice to, to say, I'm, I'm going to step up out of this and walk in power. I'm going to walk in the life that God has promised me. And I'm not going to sit around believing this powerless stuff that's incapacitating me. And so, you can res- it's your choice to respond today, however you want to do that. I will tell you that a ministry team wants to pray for you. They want to love on you. They want to encourage you. They want to lift you up. Encourage you to come. If you are if you're hurting, if you're discouraged, if you're concerned about something, if you're sick, uh, if you just need to be lifted up. Come on down. That's what we're here for this morning. Let's take a few minutes and let's uh, let God's love wash over you this morning. Amen. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul. Worship His holy name. Sing like never before. Oh, my soul, I worship Your holy name. Sun.